out in the desert. Neighbors claims they practice witchcraft. Welcome back, boils and ghouls, to the Haunted Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and I'm here with Kenny. All right, am I here? I don't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that I was going to be here today. I didn't know that this was a thing today. I didn't know to show up, but I it's did. It's okay. Luckily, luckily, I came and got you. There is, and now you're here at least in corporeal form. Yes, there is. Because we we haven't figured out how to astral project record. For you guys. Yeah. But if we could, know that we would. For real. Just show up. We definitely would. That would be amazing. I would astral project all over the fucking place. My astral projection self would be taking out the trash. That bitch would be like organizing the cabinets. Uh She would be like making my coffee and having it ready for me in the morning. I would be one rested bitch. Would you be rested or would it actually make you that much more tired? Maybe, right? but because at, the uh, there's of, a trade-off in life. Well, the amount of energy that you would have to put into astral projecting right. would just be so exhausting, I feel like. Unless you stole it from a child. Hmm. Put a pin in that. We'll come back <laughs> around to it. Anyway, how you been, folks? I, I hope they've been all right. I hope. You know? Hanging in there, you know? It's crazy times, but everybody's just hanging in there doing our best. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not arguing too much with your aunt on Facebook. <laughs> but you know do do you do you yeah yeah i i feel like i feel like there has been a lot of arguing there on, has on, on, there's on it's so much it's very toxic consider maybe you know maybe just take just take a break for you i'm doing that shit mm-hmm. <laughs> i it, do it frequently except from our facebook group though i mean i mean yeah, not stay our facebook there because we don't we don't necessarily have too much that it's not it hasn't come for stay, us stay there yet <laughs> It's a beautiful, beautiful place in the midst of a lot of darkness. True, true. It's just some, just some good horror memes. Love it. Pretty much Love good horror memes. Uh, let's see what else has there been. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know. It's just, it's, it's. It's just a whole vibe. It's a whole vibe. We're so good it's at selling that. It's a, um. it's a <laughs> Good thing it's free. Like- <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me this evening. I just feel like I don't know. I've I've filled my belly with Chipotle, and now I'm like it's the Chipotle hibernation. And now I'm like, hmm, bed. (laughs) (laughs) But no, Katie comes and drags me out of bed to record this goddamn show for you folks, and that's what we're here to (laughs) do. For you assholes, for you motherfuckers, (laughs) for every last one of you motherfuckers. This is for you. Yeah. Should and I also, light a candle to that? I think we do have some candles to light, though. We do. We do indeed. Damn it. Do you want to start or shall I? I fucking shall I goddamn guess I will. Shall you lead? Shall I lead? I will, I will take the lead. Okay. Uh, yes. Let me grab my lighting apparatus. Is you that have, what we you call it? strike pad? My strike pad. Strike yes, pad. Yes, strike pad. For strike. Um... Oh, I will say before we did, I don't know why this made me think of this, but uh, I did play a lot of uh, Mortal Kombat this weekend with with the nephew and funny story. We're playing it. It's like Mortal Kombat 11 and he's like, do you know how to play? And I'm like, 
Oh. <laughs> Do not speak to me of the old ways, for I was there. I was like... When the book of Mortal Kombat was written. I said, listen, little one. I had Mortal Kombat, like, the first one when it came out. We're on 11. I was on, like, Mortal Kombat 1, okay? With the PlayStation, the original Eldritch PlayStation. level. You know what I mean? Like X do triangle, not circle, come circle. For me. Actually, was the original Mortal Kombat on PlayStation? I yes. thought it was on um, some other. Sorry, bullshit. yes, uh, Sega Genesis. Yeah, it Sega was on. Genesis. <laughs> Sega Genesis, and Book. then and then and then PlayStation. Yes, um, I had it on Sega Genesis. So it was again, not X Triangle Circle. No. Uh, so. I then proceeded to uh, beat his ass in yeah. uh, Mortal Kombat Good. for that. It's the um, way. It's the way. You know, spare the spare the finishing move uh, in Mortal Kombat. Spoil the, spoil the child. That's something, what they say. Something about Strike Pad made me think of Sub Zero, and because that's who I always play with when I play Mortal Kombat. Mm, He's my I can main see one. that shit. And so something about that just made me think of that. So anyway, here we are, uh, and we are invoking Beth M, who is a member of our Haunted Heart Harem. And next up, we have a very special invocation for our friends, Mandy and Hugh, over at the Depth of Darkness podcast. They have joined us as part of our Haunted Heart Harem, and uh, we just want to encourage our listeners to go out, show them some love. Uh, If you like this show, you will probably like their show. It's very uh, similar uh, topics, similar material. They also kind of have a dark humor spin. Um, So check them out. They're like... More bite-sized episodes, 20, 30 minutes. Show them a little bit of love. Hell yeah. All right. Mandy, Hugh, and Beth, members of our harem. Mm-hmm. Your candles are lit, and they will burn beside our mic stands through the end of the episode but always and forever in our dark, dark hearts. Dark hearts. And that last one was a little snap, crackle, poppy. It's throwing off I some light. Like, ooh. Uh, that's because mama, mama didn't trim the wick right before <laughs> she lit it, but that's okay. Ooh, mama didn't trim her it's, uh, wig. We'll just say Mandy and Hugh are extra bright tonight. We needed it because it was, it was dark, dark AF up in this motherfucking we podcast were, see, Here's room. the thing. When we have these invocations that we do, I mean, we light like a bajillion candles, but we... Like when we have these invocations that we do, I don't, I'm not saying that anybody's ever set anything on fire trying to record this podcast. (laughs) I'm not saying that. I'm Mm -hmm. certainly not saying it was me. Uh, What I am saying is that we did have to reduce our number of candles, uh, open flames um, around us. So now when we do the Patreon invocations, if we have a couple, we kind of start the show in mostly darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it really helps once we get those invocations done. I mean, definitely. Because then we can fucking see each other I and mean, everything around us. Honestly. And like I had disconnected the uh, soundboard for whatever reason. And so I'm over here like in the dark trying to get this shit connected. And I'm like, listen, I don't I don't consider myself to be a sound mixer and or expert. So when I pulled a plug up and I was like, hmm, what does this go to? 
I, I needed just some light plug it to wherever figure it that fits, out. I just, you know? I, it, here's a hole and this is where it goes. That's usually what I do. <laughs> just put it wherever it fits. So Pretty much. All right. So this week we have, uh, I'm diving in. I'm ready. She's I'm very awake. Because like I said, I told y'all at the top of the episode, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be here today. I <laughs> am in... Pajamas have not I, showered. I didn't get the email for the acting call today. I didn't get the call email. <laughs> I didn't. Listen, I didn't get the call time. Whoever is our assistant and like did not did not leave me a memo. Did not up, update the Google Calendar. Our fucking ghost assistant. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we don't have me. one, so they would be a ghost. But then also they would ghost us because that would just be the that would that would be the aesthetic of the show. Mm-hmm. Our ghost assistant. And has it started to thunder? Huh. Interesting. I didn't hear anything. I thought I heard thunder. Mm, I'm worried about you. Wow. Um, <laughs> I definitely didn't hear anything. But I... Uh, Don't pull a me now. You're going to try to make me feel like I'm crazy. Except for I won't edit the fucking sound out when it shows up on the episode. <laughs> now, will I? Sir. Will I? It's a true story. Kenny be editing shit out that I hear all the time. And then I sound crazy talking to y'all about things I'm hearing. <laughs> conspiracy that's gonna be my next conspiracy episode it's gonna be that i'm gonna be like this instant if you'll refer to episode 34 oh, of the haunted heart podcast no, you wouldn't, then I'll pull i would the have to be clip. the one to fucking edit that it's fine. shit and sometimes clip it in. i sometimes i can edit uh-huh okay mm. <laughs> well look the fact I'm that we are 12 minutes into this episode and haven't gotten any clue what the fuck we're talking about says otherwise <laughs> it's okay we're having the fun time this is a fun time because you guys know uh, you know, what last week was Kenny's week. This week is a Katie week. I like to kind of, you know, bring us down. I like to keep us in the good place. Really? Before I take us to the sad place. Are you sure? Okay. Oh, okay. All right. There we so go. So I'm just kind of like extending that a little bit. There um, it is. But we're going to dive in now. Shit. So I'm worried. I'm concerned, y'all. Just take that good feeling and wrap it up in yourself and just bury it deep. Okay. Um, so some of you guys who follow us on Facebook, if you don't follow us on Facebook, you absolutely should uh, search for the Haunted Heart Podcast. You'll see our page there and also the closed Facebook group that we were talking about at the start of the episode mm-hmm. um, where it's good vibes only. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because we make sure of it. <laughs> um, definitely. No, everybody in the Facebook group is pretty chill. Um but if you are not following us on Facebook, definitely make sure that you are. If you do follow us on Facebook, you may have seen that this week we made a donation to the Innocence Project on behalf of the show. So it came from both of us. Um, and uh, not trying to like toot our own horn or anything. I just wanted to share that information because I know not everybody follows us on Facebook and encourage you guys, if you are in a place financially where you have a little extra that you could give, that's a great organization. They've been properly vetted. Um, it's a 501c3. It's, um, a good, uh, place to, if you're looking for places to help out, um, there's a ton of great, um, organizations to donate to and that is certainly one of them one of the things that the innocence project focuses on in fact the thing that it's most well known for is exonerating wrongfully convicted um folks who are serving time for obviously crimes that they did not do hence the wrongfully convicted um they also do a lot with um, community building, uh, legal education. They, they do a whole lot more than just overturning wrongful convictions, but um, they offer a lot of support um, to, you know, folks as far as like legal resources and things like that. And 
because of that, I think it's a really good organization to support because the changes that are needed in our world today are not just going to happen in the courtroom or just going to happen, um, you know, in it's not just going to affect police. It's not just going to affect certain sectors. It's going to affect everything, right? It's Mm -hmm. about community building. It's about changing the way that we think about community. It's about redefining that and strengthening that and, you know, really building a better world. Um, Because I think it's pretty clear um, that our communities today lack a lot of the resources that are needed in order to... um, really thrive um that that people need to thrive so that's sort of the reform that is hopefully you know taking place over the next weeks months years and the innocence project is certainly part of that um there's lots like i said there's lots of organizations it doesn't just have to be that one but in honor of um sort of showing our support for the innocence project i thought that it would be cool to dive into one of their cases today on the show so um i want to talk about the case of malcolm alexander okay so um i guess without further ado i guess so i'm strapped in. in i'm ready uh and you know i'm lubed up <laughs> way to make it awkward Jesus. just a way to make it awkward i love this it poor me great <laughs> like why did it have to be you um, <laughs> to cover this case okay <laughs> get yourself to get act I'm, like a professional what, the fuck is, like what a is a professional i don't know define professional Google. it's not this <laughs> alexa <laughs> all right get it together all right i'm together At about 11.30 a.m. on November 8, 1979, a black man walked into a newly opened antique store in Gretna, Louisiana. The owner, whose name is not disclosed, so we'll just call her B.N., a 39-year-old white woman, became suspicious. She attempted to direct him to furniture outside, but as she walked to the front door, he grabbed her from behind and clubbed her in the head with a handgun. He then forced her into the ba- into a bathroom at the rear of the shop and raped her at gunpoint. After he raped her, he led her to the telephone, which had been ringing throughout the attack. As he held her in a chokehold and threatened to shoot her, B.N. completed the call without alerting the caller that anything was wrong. The attacker then forced her back into the bathroom and raped her again. The attacker ordered her not to move and fled. B.N. used a towel to clean herself and called police. When they arrived at the scene, police found three pubic hairs on the floor of the bathroom and also took the towel into evidence. B.N. said the attacker was black with a medium complexion in his early 20s, about 6 feet tall, and 165 to 170 pounds. She said he was wearing blue jeans, a dark windbreaker, and a navy blue watch cap. Bian said that he rode up to the store on a dark orange 10-speed English racing bike. Police, of course, broadcast the description over the radio, and 10 minutes later, a cop car stopped a black man with his jeans unzipped riding an orange 10-speed bicycle. The man was brought to the outside of the antique store, and Bian stood inside and viewed him from the front window. 
She said the man was not her attacker. BN was then taken to a hospital where a rape kit was taken. On November 30th, 1979, BN saw the man she thought might have been her attacker. When police investigated him, they learned that he worked at Superior Pontiac, a car dealership. The man's fellow employees said he was a hard worker and was not the type of person to commit a sexual assault. On December 18, 1979, police showed BN a photographic lineup, which included the man from Superior Pontiac, but she did not identify anyone as her attacker. In February 1980, several months later, police arrested 20-year-old Malcolm Alexander after a woman accused him of sexually assaulting her. Alexander, who is black, told police that the sex occurred after he gave the woman money and that it was consensual, not assault. Alexander was not charged in that incident, but a detective believed that he fit BN's description of her attacker, even though he was only 5 feet 9 inches tall. And remember, she had described her attacker as about 6 feet tall. So that's quite a difference. Mm-hmm. On March 24, 1980, Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department Detective O'Neill DeNew Jr. asked to be in to view another photographic lineup, one that included Alexander's photo specifically. DeNew's report said that BN identified Alexander, but her identification was, quote, tentative, end quote. Three days later, on March 27th, BN viewed a live lineup that included Alexander. He was the only person who was in both lineups, a procedure considered to be improper and suggestive because a person could subconsciously convert the memory of seeing a person in the first lineup into a memory of that person being the perpetrator. Detective Deneu was not present because he was in court, so Detective Marco Nuzalilo conducted the lineup. Nuzalilo checked off the box possible in his report, and next to it, he wrote tentative. Three hours after the live lineup, Danu returned from court and interviewed BN privately. When he emerged, he reported that BN now said she was more than 98% sure that Alexander was her attacker. Malcolm Alexander was arrested and charged with aggravated rape. He went on trial on November 5th, 1980, nearly a year after the crime, the original crime took place. The entire trial, from selection of the jury until the jury's announcement that they found Alexander guilty, lasted one day. The entire trial transcript was only 87 pages long. And that's something that if you don't, if you're not like sometimes doing research for the show, I'll pull up trial transcripts and go through them. And it's like hundreds of pages. Really? I do, yeah, sometimes. You do that? If the trial is particularly important, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've if, never if, done that. <laughs> if you've never if you've never looked at a trial transcript, uh-huh. like they're fucking long, dude, cuz there's a lot that goes into especially something like this. So, is because this... this is like a life-defining trial. Right. Right. And the and... fact that it's only 87 pages long, we didn't even break 100 pages. Like what the fuck? Yeah, so this is like the, so like if it was me and I was like, like the person with like 
Like I've got my nails, they're painted, I'm done. And I've got probably like, you know, some, we're in the 70s, right? Those big glasses. Those yeah, big it's glasses. And it's like a typewriter yeah. type situation. Yes. And I'm sitting there like. 100% that was the situation. Like imagine Barb from Stranger Things. That's kind of where I was 20 years older and like clickety clack. Yeah. Clickety clackety on that. So that's this person who is transcribing this, right? That's what they do. Is that, is that. That's where the trans, that's who makes the transcript. Yes. Right. That I'm talking about. Yes. Right. So this is what you're talking about. I mean, I'm not blaming that. Don't that lady. <laughs> I'm just saying it was a very quick trial. Not a lot of words no, were exchanged, I clearly. Was, I was just trying to figure out well, when you're talking about a transcription, this is what we're talking about. Yes. The person who sits and types all of this yes. stuff out, which has to be like, damn, I don't know that I would be able to do that. I, I don't think I could have that job in a court. Like, I don't know that I could not <laughs> respond. I'd be like, ooh. Mm. You'd just be over there like, mm, mm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Me, I would just like it would just be so detrimental because I would just lose my place of where I'm at, and then I'm just like, all right, well, too we scared don't need to that tell line. anybody, and you're just that. like, it's fine. We don't need that line. I'm gonna just cut that. <laughs> It'll be fine. We don't need that line. Next, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I feel Next. like I feel like you have to be like a super Virgo to do that job. Pretty like, much, you have to just be like, this is it. Wow. So we have this BN. Yeah. So we have this lady who has identified this man, Alexander, as 90, what'd she say, over 90%? Yes. So, but after a process, obviously. So, so what we have is um, he was actually in a lineup that she looked at previously. So the, you know, one of the, one of the former, I don't know that it was the first, but one of the former lineups that she had viewed, Malcolm Alexander's photo was there. Right. And she said nothing. And is this the same? And then months later, after this woman had, this other woman who's not related to the case at all, um, this other woman said that Malcolm Alexander sexually assaulted her. And he said, no, I didn't. It was consensual. But she alleged. That was a separate incident. Yes, that was a separate incident. Okay. This other woman, who we'll call, I don't know, Pam. um, Barb. She, she alleged that Malcolm Alexander sexually assaulted her. He said, I did not. It was consensual sex. Um, And there was money that was also exchanged. Um, After that happened and the police sort of became aware of him in that sense, then his photograph was included in a lineup. And Mm. after that point, BN said, supposedly she recognized him as her attacker and the note was that it was tentative so then later she looked at a live lineup and they had malcolm alexander in that live lineup as well and Mm -hmm. he was the only face that was repeating so he's the only guy who was in both the photo lineup that she looked at and the live lineup that she looked at and that's like not a thing that like it's not really like a thing right um, it's weird that he was the only guy. And it's sort of like the way that it doesn't necessarily like the vibe that I'm getting here is, of course, all of this is alleged. I ain't trying to get sued. But this Detective O'Neill Danu Jr. seems to be very involved in these decisions to put Malcolm Alexander's photo in the lineup. Because of this mm. other sexual assault, which I mean, objectively speaking, maybe if if you do like if you have an alleged sexual assault, then maybe you would put somebody. But it just seems like he like 
was really sort of trying to make he was really sort of trying to bring about a certain conclusion. Right. right, 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 um, right. I understand why you would include the photo in the photo lineup with all the given, you know, allegations. Um, but to then also, you know, take this person and have them be the only person who's repeating in a live lineup to me now sounds like you have narrowed down your suspects and now you're trying to. Yeah. And also, yeah. And it seems like to me, like you're trying to piece two things together so that you're kind of like essentially kill two birds with one stone. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, okay, we have this and we have this over here. You know, obviously if I can make this connection, then, mm-hmm. you know, like both of these instances are taken care of. Right. 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 And then, you know, apparently on the day that she, um, on the day that the live lineup actually took place, um, he was not the detective who was there, who was like sort of running the show. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like he did all the work leading up to it right, and like yeah. actually selected who was going to be in the yeah. live lineup and all that stuff. Yeah. And he was just conveniently in court that day. So somebody else handled that actual process. Um, and But then when he got back, he interviewed BN personally. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it changed from tentative to 98% certain that that's the guy. Got it. Even got though it. his height doesn't match at all um, yeah. to her original... Uh, description of her attacker um so we go to trial um the entire transcript is only 87 pages long which is really short and malcolm alexander's lawyer joseph tosh did basically nothing to defend him damn um this guy was so negligent it was like he didn't even care. He certainly didn't care about winning the case. And he definitely didn't care about justice. And that was something that would carry um, through for him because uh, this guy, Joseph Tosh, um, in 1999, he was actually disbarred from practice as a I lawyer. Mean, I, I mean, if you know he was so negligent, I mean, yes. I, would, I would hope so because, I mean, that's crazy, especially because when you think that your job, like some of us, you know, like, working retail and working HR and whatever, like it's not that big of a deal. Right. But when you get to things like, like this, where, you know, this person's livelihood, their life just kind of balances and you knowing how to, and, you know, accurately and, you know, professionally doing your fucking job. Right. Um, you know, it, 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 it don't, you know, you don't need to be in this field, sir. No. You don't need to be doing that. No. Um, um, not at all. Do we know? Was he um, was he a coin appointed lawyer? Do we know, or was it someone that he had? No, I had think been... it was somebody that the Alexander family had uh, retained. I, d- I don't know that he. I don't think he was court appointed. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, call it tentative. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, but yeah. So apparently in 1999, he he was not partying. Like it was 1999 because his ass got disbarred because um, basically they had found more than 50 incidents where he took fees and then did little or frequently nothing at all and refused to refund his uh, lawyer fees. Wow. Sounds like a fucking dick. Yeah. So in fact, he was not a court appointed lawyer because the Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Alexander paid him fees 
with a court appointed lawyer it's appointed by the court and you know they do their thing for you not that it matters they paid that man you know because regardless if you're a court appointed lawyer or not you should still be doing your fucking job Mm -hmm. but and there's plenty of lawyers who are working as court appointed lawyers i mean i think that's kind of like where you start out before you build your own practice i mean and those those folks work hard i guess my yeah so I, i guess that's kind of why i was asking was i just wanted to see like what level was this you right. know was he no this, this is, lawyer supposed this is to be private, at, you know what i mean like yeah. if he was private this family actively sought him out mm-hmm. you know paid him a, what is probably a huge sum of money because lawyers ain't fucking cheap Mm-mm. um damn okay yeah yeah so uh despite the existence of a rape kit and also the towel that we mentioned earlier wait that- what do you mean despite the i thought we had one of those yeah, we do. So I'm saying despite the fact oh, that those things oh, exist. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and both of those things would have, re- like, so the towel, the rape kit that they took at the hospital, uh-huh. as well as the towel that she cleaned herself up with before she called police, would have both had semen samples on them. Yes? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was the rape kit, there was the towel, and there were three pubic hairs that were found on the floor where the crime took place. No forensic tests happened whatsoever. What the fuck? None. How? No. And now look, I understand you might be thinking it's 1980. They didn't have like fancy DNA testing and all this shit. But like what I mean when I say that is like neither the prosecutor nor the defense ordered any testing on any of those items whatsoever. Bull shit i yeah. call it i call it out bullshit because i mm-mm. i mean you have pubic hair like you they were able to they could have matched they they could have ordered some tests i mean listen uh fucking uh what was it <laughs> i was thinking maury wasn't far off from the 1980s okay yeah. and if they had dna tests in a few laters you know on fucking tv I'm pretty sure yeah. that we could have gotten a DNA test when when this was taking place. I mean, it, it it so DNA testing wasn't necessarily a thing, but forensic testing is more than just specifically DNA testing. It, it there's there's lots of I, the the pre so DNA. It wasn't like we had absolutely no forensic testing, and then one day all of a sudden we were just we like DNA exists and can be tested. Shit. They didn't even run a they, fucking SOL test. They didn't even have. They didn't even give this man a goddamn Scantron. Okay, like shit come the fuck on there were things that existed pre-dna that could have been done in this case that could have been ordered in this case and just nothing like nothing yeah so um yeah so uh even though denu back to this denu guy um i really i really have an issue with him uh so he his report on march 24th uh 1980 of that photographic lineup that BN viewed, um, his report said that she had said her her identification of Alexander was tentative. However, in court, Danu told the jury told the jury that BN quote without hesitation identified the photograph of Malcolm Alexander as the man who perpetrated the rape on her. End quote. Now. Don't sound like tentative to me. Does it sound like tentative? You remember when we were in school in English class and you had to clap to define syllables to see how many syllables words had? Tentative. That's three. It's only three. 
Uh-huh. It doesn't sound much like without hesitation identified the photograph of Malcolm Alexander as the man who perpetrated the rape on her. Does it? No. So, and then, see, this is why you couldn't be a court transcriber. Because yeah. <laughs> this is literally what would happen mm. right here. Yeah. You're witnessing right. You're witnessing it right now, folks. This is what happens when Katie becomes involved in transcribing court cases. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. Does not sound tentative. Right. At all. And then conveniently, remember how I told you the day that the live lineup took place? This Mm -hmm. Danu Jr. guy was at court. And there was another detective that sort of orchestrated, that sort of um, did, I guess, administered that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he also testified um, as the guy who had conducted the March 27th, 1980 live lineup. And uh, he had filled out the report as possible and tentative prior to Danu going in after he got back from court and interviewing her, which is when it turned to 98% positive. Um, that guy just said in court that BN identified Alexander, period. And I don't know if that was, for me, I'm not a lawyer. I am not Esquire. I mean, you could probably do a better job than this motherfucker we got. I'm, I'm not Esquire. Right I could be S.Quire. I could play S.Quire for uh-huh. just one moment. And what I would say to you as S.Quire is if I had somebody on the stand who was asked, you know, did she identify this man? And he said, yes, yeah, she identified him. I would definitely be asking some follow-up questions such as, your report says that it's possible or tentative, or that might be leading the witness. You know, I don't know these things. I'm just Esquire. But um, I, I would definitely ask some follow-up questions as to how sure she was when she identified him. I wouldn't just leave it at she identified him. But apparently, it's exactly what the fuck we did. Um, is just identified him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the prosecution failed to even touch the possible tentative thing, which I get because that's not their fucking job. Um, they didn't correct any of the detective's testimony or elicit any testimony regarding the police reports that listed the identifications as tentative. They didn't touch it because they're the prosecution. They're trying to argue that this guy is guilty. Um, apparently, the defense couldn't be fucking bothered. Um, Alexander's attorney never asked any questions on cross-examination about those descriptions whatsoever, even though there were documented police reports that used the words possible identification, tentative. They were in quotes in the police reports. He never asked any cross-examination questions. What? I, 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 I just don't fucking understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, years later, looking in retrospect, attorneys, uh, who were working on, uh, Alexander's case, were unable to determine whether the prosecution actually withheld those reports that documented the identifications as tentative or if Alexander's attorney actually had those reports, but he was so incompetent that he failed to realize their significance. So we never actually could determine, did he literally just not have them or did, did he just not... He just couldn't be fucking bothered. He just, it just, he just was like yeah. fucking off. Like, yeah. okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I mean, probably, probably, I'm going to say it was uh, the latter, considering the fact that he was, you know, um, what, what's that? Uh, dis, disbarred? Disbarred. Disbarred. Yeah, disbarred. disbarred. <laughs> um, you know, for uh, 
for being negligent. I mean, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. God, sucks, it's stuff like this is just so I'm so mad irritating. it's raining. I know you like, can hear it. The, the rain the, 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 has started. The, my rage has brought the storm, and you know what? That's just fine with me. So. I mean, shit, I don't give a fuck. Because we're in it now. Joseph Tosh, by the way, is that motherfucker's name. Uh, let's go ahead and make sure that um, Joseph we're saying his name Tosh. as much as fucking possible. Joseph Tosh. Yeah, the lawyer who didn't um, the ask lawyer, any cross-examination. The lawyer, Joseph Tosh. Joseph yeah. T. T O S H. T O S H. Absolutely. Joseph um, with a P H. I hope. I, I hope we can't get sued. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, no, what the fuck is he going to do? I mean, is he going to sue us? <laughs> Let's hope his lawyer <laughs> works harder than he did. <laughs> Ooh. Moving on. Uh, so at this case, B N testifies and identifies Alexander as her attacker on the stand. Mm-hmm. Again, when she testifies in court, no mention was made that her prior identifications had been labeled as tentative. Joseph Tosh represented, or he presented no defense witnesses and never investigated whether Alexander, who had a steady job with a contractor at the time of the rape, had a viable alibi. Tosh made no opening statement to the jury, and his closing argument took up just four pages of the trial transcript. Wow. This guy phoned it. In. I mean, I feel like at this point, like I would have just removed Mr. Joseph Tosh, shit ass lawyer. Former. Uh, <laughs> former. Former. Shit ass lawyer. Yeah. Uh, I would have just, I mean, I, I, I probably would have just tried to say, fuck it, let me just, I can fucking represent my damn self. I have that right. Yeah. Um, which is. We'll get into it in the discussion portion a little bit more. But that's kind of why the exoneration work that the Innocence Project is doing is really important. But that specific issue right there is why the community work that they're doing and the legal education work that they're doing is so much more important. Mm. Because he had a lawyer who did not give a fuck, very clearly. Right. Very clearly documented, you know, say alleged all you want, but it's in the trial record mm-hmm. i mean he was either so incompetent that he couldn't function or he just didn't give a shit and at the end of the day none of it matters to Mal- malcolm alexander right, right. It d- right the reason why doesn't matter it's the fact that because of that justice wasn't carried out exactly um so and 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 the community building legal education stuff that the Innocence Project is doing is, you know, teaching people, these are what your rights are. You know, if, if a lawyer is not doing this, this, and this for you, you can fucking fire them. Like, <laughs> get rid of them. Like, you know, and and I think that a lot of times people particularly, not to say that, like, that that's exactly the situation that's going on here, but... Certainly, there's lots of cases where people don't necessarily know exactly what their legal rights are. They, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily know the resources that are available to them. Or sometimes there aren't resources available to them. And that's how we end up with shit like this. You know what? He should have had L. Woods attorney Absolutely. In law. <laughs> 100%. L. Woods was the bomb. L. Woods would be horrified by this. For real. So, uh, after what I can only imagine was a lackluster closing statement, uh, the jury was sent out to deliberate at 5.20 p.m. By 6.16 p.m. That is less than an hour. 
That is 56 minutes, to be exact. The jury had voted to convict Alexander. They returned to announce the verdict and had been dismissed. So all of that happened. By 6.16 p.m., the jury had decided, announced their decision, and were dismissed. The judge then sentenced Alexander to life in prison without parole. God damn. Tosh. Joseph Tosh. The former lawyer. Former lawyer, Joseph Tosh. Assured Alexander and his family that he would file an appeal, but he never (laughs) did it. Oh, God. God, what a winner. When family members ultimately discovered that no appeal had been filed, they sought the help of another lawyer. That lawyer was granted permission to file an appeal, although the filing deadline had lapsed. The appeal, however, was denied by the Louisiana Court of Appeal. Mm. In 1996, after reading a news article about the DNA testing, now keep in mind, this man was convicted. We're talking about 1996 now. Yeah. This trial took place. Let me get the exact date here. Um, November 5th, 1980, right? So 1996 is 16 years later that this man has been sitting in jail, in prison. 16 years. And he reads a news article about DNA testing. Malcolm Alexander did. Uh, from prison he saw this news article about this dna testing and he was like hey maybe this can help me out so he reached out to the innocence project in new york for help however a search for the physical evidence was unsuccessful court officials informed the innocence project that the evidence the evidence i'm talking about is that rape kit the rape towel the, the pubes those three pubic hairs yeah 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 the evidence had inadvertently been destroyed in oh. 1984 oh during a mass destruction of several hundred boxes of evidence from oh. closed cases. Okay. Oh, 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 okay. So. Another reason why I can't be a part of this shit, because me, me from the, me working at the Innocence Project, when <laughs> calling these motherfuckers and them telling me, telling me this. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to tell you what. I didn't like that this, uh, I didn't, I didn't like. I felt like we were kind of co-opting the word, you know, suspicious at the beginning of this. But I will say that this is suspicious and it's fucked up. Mm -hmm. I don't It just just disappeared. It just fucking this one particular box. Just like how does a box of evidence like disappear any like how do they get how to get destroyed, babe? Sentences like this are like why I like don't sleep at night amongst many other reasons but it was inadvertently destroyed in 1984 during a mass destruction of several hundred boxes of evidence from closed cases meaning that not only is the particular case that we're discussing right now like i'm like i'm upset because the evidence for that case was destroyed but then we, we got it. What about this mass destruction of all this fucking evidence from these closed cases, uh, from yeah. these other closed cases, from uh-huh. these other cases of these other people? Right. That are just like not going to have any fucking so more evidence a- anymore? Did we just decide? Did it expire? Girl, it's not milk. <laughs> you need to buy a damn storage unit. 
uh, put that shit away. That's what I'm saying. So this was like a thing that they, this wasn't like an accident. Like the building was caught on fire and this box no, was destroyed no. or some bullshit. This was like a, a a planned like we're destroying this evidence. It you know it's really weird and vague because like normally they'll say things like oh a building caught on fire. They, yeah, I mean that's and kind all of what the I evidence- thought. Just burned up. And I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, shit happens, like, tragedy like that happens. But, like, this this whole thing seems a little fishy. Not the good kind of fishy. <laughs> the yeah, bad kind. Yeah, bad know? fish. Bad fish. The kind that you bought thinking that you were going to grill, like, a nice salmon dinner for uh-huh. you and your family. And then you just, your crippling depression just made it so that you couldn't peel yourself off of the couch to cook said salmon so it sat in the refrigerator where you thawed it for a week and every day you see it when you go in to get your creamer for your coffee in the mornings and every day you get a little more disappointed in yourself Mm -hmm. till eventually you throw it away and then you go to the grocery store and you get a new piece of salmon and you put it in the freezer and you wait for better times yes yes fishy like that exactly fishy like that fishy like uh, Joseph Tosh Former lawyer. Former. Former lawyer. No longer a lawyer. Was disbarred. Joseph Tosh. So uh, apparently the only thing else that we got on that was that a deputy clerk attributed the the mass destruction of these several hundred boxes of evidence that could potentially solve all these cold cases. And Um, because of the fact that we never ran tests on these to begin with, we didn't have the paperwork to... You know, go back on in case the evidence was destroyed, yep. which doesn't make sense to me. In, you know what I mean? Like uh-uh. it, it, it would seem like you would run your tests and record this mm-hmm. in the event that something happens, because as we know, cold cases don't always stay cold. Yeah, neither fact, do in fact, closed it's great cases. When they don't. Stay closed sometimes, right, and sometimes. evidence is needed you could to bring back the case. years and years later. Yeah. So why are we destroying evidence? Uh, th- yeah, anyway, this deputy clerk, uh, she attributed, she or he, attributed the destruction to, quote, human error, which should not have happened, end quote. <laughs> Which is like the understatement of the fucking year. Human error that should not have There's happened. Several Listen, hundred honey, boxes of evidence. You, you say that uh, about uh, you know an up and coming podcast that uh, I mean that's this. That you have. It's the, it should not. You know what I mean? Happen. It was a human. This podcast was a human error. error? Okay? It should not have happened. Um, <laughs> Can we put that on some merch? The Haunted Heart Podcast. If we put it on merch, they wouldn't buy it anyway. Um, <laughs> the Haunted Heart Podcast. A human error. Which should not have happened. That's our new tagline. Season three coming at you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you just don't say that about things. You know, I mean, again, going back to what we're talking about here, we're talking about people's like livelihood. Whole we're life. talking about you know really important shit. It's like doctors, it's like lawyers, and even this. Like this, just I'm sorry. It may have been a human error, but like. Mm, Sorry, there, there's a lot at stake here, and so there is not room for human error. Right. So. Right. Yeah, so um, that basically led to a stall, because without evidence, you can't really do any DNA testing. Um, his case, Malcolm Alexander's case, was a perfect case for DNA testing. It seemed like it was kind of like 
like all the all the mention of the evidence was leading us in that direction and then you know when when the innocence project was told that um you know the evidence was destroyed obviously that was a major stall um however malcolm alexander pressed on he was not giving up and in 2004 um he heard that louisiana had enacted a post-conviction dna testing law so he filed a motion for testing hoping that it would spark further searches for evidence and he also filed a federal petition for a writ of habeas corpus Fuck yeah, I don't know what any of that means, but like, I'm here for it. I, I bet you he knew what the I fuck it I bet the fuck meant. he did know what the hell it meant. I don't know what the fuck it means. Uh, I'm not going to tell you either, because I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting through this story, because this is the part that I like. Okay. Um, so that was in, by the way, that was in 2004. In 2013, so almost a decade later, his efforts were rewarded when the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department Crime Laboratory discovered the pubic hairs that were removed from the bathroom floor where B.N. was raped in 1979. Wait, where did they discover them? They just discovered them. So they weren't destroyed? Maddening. Yeah, apparently they, just they weren't. weren't destroyed now? Apparently they weren't. Oh, apparently look. they were just fucking somewhere. Oh, look, I just cool. found this bag of pubic hairs yeah. up under the shelf here that I thought I'd destroyed. Yeah, hmm. couldn't find them in 1996, hmm. but here they are in 2013. So, obviously, um, the Innocence Project and the prosecution agreed to the DNA testing on the hairs um, shortly. Actually, not that shortly, uh, but these things, I guess, do take time. Apparently, they agreed to DNA testing on the hairs in 2015, and testing was actually performed in 2016. The test showed that all three of the hairs came from the same person, and Malcolm Alexander was excluded as the source of the hairs. So in 2017, following this testing, the Innocence Project joined by uh, the Innocence Project New Orleans, um, which is a specific branch in new orleans uh, <laughs> they filed a motion they filed a motion seeking to vacate alexander's conviction citing the dna evidence as well as the failure of alexander's trial defense attorney uh former lawyer joseph tosh joseph tosh former lawyer former former no longer a lawyer former is joseph lawyer. tosh uh so they cited this DNA evidence as well as this piece of shit um, in his abject <laughs> failure um, to, provide, to provide an adequate legal defense. Um, quote, the most reasonable conclusion is that the hairs originate from the man who repeatedly raped BN from behind on the floor in the very location where these hairs were collected. End quote. Uh, that was from the actual petition um, to vacate his conviction. Right, right, right. So on January 30th, 2018, Judge June Barry Derensburg of the Jefferson Parish District Court dismissed the indictment and ordered the release of Malcolm Alexander after serving nearly 38 years in prison. God damn. Alexander was finally freed. Malcolm Alexander was arrested for the 1979 crime based on a deeply flawed, unreliable identification procedure. His paid lawyer failed in his most basic duties to prevent to present a defense, the kind of defense 
that the American legal system is supposed to provide for all American citizens. In May 2019, Malcolm Alexander filed a claim for compensation from the state of Louisiana for his pain and suffering as a result of the false conviction that he served 38 years in prison for. The details of his settlement are not public, but um, I did some digging and learned a bit about how compensation for the wrongfully convicted works. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's handled at the state level, so it varies from state to state, um, and the payouts for the wrongfully convicted differ wildly between the states. Um, take Louisiana, for example, where this case took place. Uh-huh. Louisiana pays out a maximum of $250,000 over a 10-year period, which if you do the math, it comes out to $20,000 a year to its wrongfully convicted. That's the maximum. So he could... Oh, don't worry. I did the math. This means that at best, under the state law, Malcolm Alexander received just $6,580 per year for the 38 years he spent in the Louisiana State Penitentiary before being exonerated in January 2018. Bitch, I'm going to tell you what. No. No. That don't fly for me. 38 years of my... Uh, 38 years 38 of your fucking years. life? No. You... That... Uh, there better be a bag at my motherfucking door filled. Filled to the brim. Several bags, actually. And a lot of people think that that is how it works. That you, you know, for, for pe- folks who are wrongfully convicted that the government has to pay up or the state has to pay up. But honestly, like, having researched a lot of how the wrongfully convicted payments work, it just depends on what state you're in. Because, I mean, this man, I mean, that's... That's 38 years of your life. Yeah. That's thir- that is. I mean, that no is, money is going to make up for no it. No money but is, is, but at the like same insulting. time, like, so how, um, do we know how old he was when he got out? Uh, I think he was 20 when he went in, or 19. So he was like 58 to 60 years yeah. old. Yeah. Right? So yes. that's, you've spent the majority of your youthful year, you've spent your entire youth in prison. Mm-hmm. I should not have to, or he should not have to, that mother, he should not have to work for the mm. rest of his life. Yeah. He should be cared for for the rest of his life. I'm sorry. He should have been given the financial resources to just enjoy, to what, just he has enjoy what time he has left. I'm sorry, right. 60 years old? Like, I mean, that's I mean, not it's that not, old. It's not you have old, a lot of but, time left, but, but you, you, should, you definitely mean, shouldn't still, have to spend any of it punching a clock. But yeah. still, I mean, 60 years old, I mean, that's time for people to start Thinking about, I mean, they're coming close retirement. to retirement, you know, yeah. like it just, that's just so infuriating to me. And I understand it's like, like you said, by, by state or whatever, but I just think that that is grossly unjust. Yeah, it is. It's disgusting. Like um, a lot of people, I think we just assume I had, you just assume that they get these big settlements. Oh, I and, thought he was and, about to walk out with bank. Like, yeah. <laughs> because it seems like they should, but it doesn't really work that way mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, so, um, just shy of actually, his wife, uh, his his wife shared. Um, she was like one of the uh, news sources that I read. She she was talking about how you know he's working a job now, and he always wants to be like thirty or forty minutes early for his job. 
and she has to like talk to him to not be like 40 minutes early for work like every day mm-hmm. like he's that conscientious and he's that like type of person mm-hmm. and it's just like man you shouldn't even have to like do that if you don't want to right you shouldn't even have to go to the right right know. anyway um so just shy of one year following his release from prison, the Innocence Project actually interviewed Malcolm Alexander about his life outside of prison. Adjusting to his new life has certainly had its ups and downs, but he shared touching stories of reuniting with his family and friends, his son and his grandson, and he also had the chance to marry his childhood sweetheart. Towards the end of the interview, the interviewer asked him is there anything else you would like to share with the Innocence Project community and your supporters? And I would like to share Malcolm's answer to that question with you here. Like I always say, there is more good in the world than bad. The Innocence Project and the people who have been supportive of me show me that every day. I know I'm not the only one they are helping. There are many others, and that alone says so much. I am not just going to tell them that I appreciate them for helping me get out of prison, but I'm going to live the rest of my life showing my appreciation for them. Right now, I'm actually on my way to a fundraiser for the Innocence Project New Orleans. I want to show my support for them. I meant what I said when I got out of prison. Anything I can do to help out, let me do it. It would bring me joy. I don't just want to be on the receiving end. I want to be on the giving end, too. So to all my supporters, let me just say thank you for letting me live. You reunited me with my childhood sweetheart and with my family. I appreciate the love you have given me. You just don't know how much I appreciate it. Wow. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's like... It's upsetting, but it is also reaffirming to see somebody who has gone through something. I mean, this Malcolm Alexander is the Innocence Project's longest-serving exonerated client. Mm-hmm. Um, the 38 years that he's spent in prison is more than... I mean, now, that's not to say anything about anybody else. If you go to their website, you can see all the cases that they've worked on and all the folks that they've exonerated um, who were wrongfully convicted and... Um, you know, there are people on there that have served 15 years, 20 years, you know, right. upwards of that. And um, but he is their longest serving exonerated client with 38 years um, in Louisiana right. State uh, Penitentiary. And and to hear somebody who has had so much taken from him say I don't. I don't want to just be on the receiving end. I want to be on the giving end too. Mm-hmm. And you know, anything that I can do to help out, let me do it. Right. And the fact that he's he's very involved with the Innocence Project um, to date. Uh, he he helps out with fundraisers. He you know helps spread the word. He um, helps them with publicity stuff and and. Just the fact that he is not, the fact that he's able to look at the world and still say there's more good in it than bad is really inspiring to me. Yeah, I would I would have to agree. It's really inspiring and it definitely, um, 
I don't know. Like, I don't know that I would have that same, Mm -mm. you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I just don't know that I would, I don't, I don't even know that I would be able to have that because I don't, like I said, to me, I, it, I'm just still stuck on like, it's just that, like, it's like that value of someone's life. Right. I mean, even though no, um, no amount of money could like, you know, cover you know the times that you've that you've lost i mean it's not just being free but it's like you're losing those times with your family you're losing all of those special moments and there's no way that there's there's no amount of money that can cover that but it still just feels like like i I still just feel like he's not fully rectified fully rectified and while he's being so gracious yep um about his situation and wanting to and to give back and, and share his story. I'm still like, I'm like, I'm over here. Like, I love you. I really do. And then now let me turn my face over to the other people. And I'm like, motherfuckers, I will fucking punch you in the face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I that's just kind of how, kind of how I feel about the whole yeah. situation. It, it makes uh, you, and fuck you, Joseph Tosh, yeah. former, definitely former fuck that guy. Uh, Fuck, fuck a lot of people involved in this <laughs> but um, I think I think the takeaway here, as I was uh, reading this story, obviously I get as I was doing the research, I was like enraged, um, and I'm sure that came through. Um, but stories like this do make me mad. They make me really angry. They make me they upset me. They make me sad. They make me angry that this man lost 38 years. He talks about reuniting with his sons and his grandsons and being so happy that he has the opportunity to do that. But the truth is that he should have been there all along with them because he shouldn't have been sitting in prison for a crime that he didn't do. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. Yes. Um so it does make me angry, but what I wanted to, the reason that I wanted to read his answer to that question of, is there anything that you want people to know is because Malcolm Alexander, the person who has suffered the most in this situation is not turning to rage. He's not turning to bitterness. He's not turning to anger. He's not turning to hate. He's saying, I want to do everything that I can do. For the people who supported me and the people who helped me. I want to do everything that I can do to help prevent this from happening to other people. I want to do everything that I can to change my community, to educate, to support, and to bring about change so that nobody else has to go through this. And that, to me, is the message here, is the message that he wants to share and the message that I want to amplify is... I mean, get mad, sure, but don't stay in that and don't let it make you bitter and don't let it make you hate. Approach approach change and approach um, these situations that fill you with this rage with that spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness and, right. and being happy to have the opportunity to help. Right. Um, And I love that because especially with him going through this, I mean, honestly, he can be a resource for, you know, other people who are going through this. Um, 
you know, in his local community and, mm-hmm. and in other places and worldwide, honestly. I mean, with, yeah. um, you know, with this, um, with the Innocence Project amplifying his voice and stuff like that. So I think that the fact that, like you said, he's, you know, with his gracious attitude about it, I just find that it's, um, that it is really inspiring, so... Yeah, he's good people. He's good people. Take that energy out there into the world because I know there's a lot of craziness going on in the world and I know every, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of bitterness, but but don't give in to that bitterness because that is not going to, that's not going to fuel the type of love and change that we need. Um, the only thing that's going to fuel that is coming together with a grateful heart and doing the best that you can. Um, to help your community. Right. Um, I do want to acknowledge my sources for today's Great. material. Uh, we, um, the National Registry of Exonerations is a really interesting resource. It's very cool. Um, I would encourage, if you're into true crime, you should definitely go check it out. Um, it's a project that was put together by three different universities. So it's the University of California, Irvine, um, Center for Science and Society, the University of Michigan Law School, and the Michigan State University College of Law. These guys have put together this um, registry of exoneration, like cases involving exonerations all across the country, and it's really well done. Um, So big thanks to them for supplying a lot of the research for this episode, as well as the Innocence Project, obviously. Um, You can find them online at innocenceproject.org. Um, you can read about all the good work that they're doing. The overturning wrongful convictions is just part of it. Um, the work that they're doing in the communities to promote legal education is, in my opinion, like laying the groundwork for having a more informed society for, um, you know, helping people like the Alexander family figure out like, okay, at what point do we just cut this fucking lawyer loose and what, what sort of recourse do we have because you know a paid lawyer right um so definitely check them out if you can consider donating to them if you have the financial means to if you can't um just amplify their message and share away yeah and learn i mean honestly just go to their website and learn a thing or two um and just by you doing that and learning some of what they're putting out there into the universe i think that you know your perspective will be changed and therefore maybe in your interactions with other people you'll sort of start to i believe in incremental change that way i believe in you know i learn something new and then i take that new thing that i've learned and i spread it on i spread it all over my people like a little bee like a pollinator like a pollinator and then they spread it to all their people and then sooner or later everybody you know, knows that thing and it's common knowledge. I just really started thinking about STDs just now. Yeah, and I spread was it like, like an, you know, spread, <laughs> look, here's the, <laughs> spread love and knowledge like an STD. <laughs> do it. Um, uh, should we just do it consensually? To, uh, consensually, stay protected, take your, <laughs> take your prep, all that good stuff, whatever. Um, Love that. I actually also have a couple of uh, reviews if we wanted to get into that oh, before yeah. we close the show. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm down. This stormy, this dark and stormy evening. Notice that the storm has stopped. It now. has stopped because we've calmed down and we've learned That's how right. to uh, not live in anger. Mm-hmm. 
we're, work, uh, we're, we're right working now. on it. We're anyway, on it. Uh, <laughs> um, so I have one uh, from BGW Cheer 2011. Into it. Okay, it's got it. Binge Worthy Golden Magic. Oh. First, let me say that I adore the two of you. Your podcast is my newfound favorite because it is a perfect mesh of true crime, spooky, paranormal, etc. Etc. That's my favorite. That's me. (laughs) I'm me, etc. Hi. I'm so glad I got a wild hair and randomly clicked to listen. I love that phrase. I got a wild hair up my Ten points for that phrase. I am a person of routine and definitely do not like to stray from what I know and love. I feel that. While I am still like this. (laughs) While I'm still like this, I'm not quite as uneasy to try new things now because I found such gold in the Haunted Heart podcast. Was it really gold? Was it really gold? Let's be real. Was it gold? Was it gold or was it that shit that they give you when you go to like the mining place? I was going to say. Like like when you're a kid, that fool's gold shit. That fool's gold. Like where you can like sift for gold. Uh, You know, I mean, it's Listen, the only gold over here is like the flakes from Goldschlager, okay? Like Mm. that's, that's all that we've got over here. But we appreciate that. Um, they continue to say, I only stumbled across, uh, Haunted Heart yesterday, but I haven't been able to stop listening. Love y'all. Purple Heart. Love Love that. that. Love the Purple Heart. We love the Purple Heart. And then my next one, uh, is from, I, (laughs) Bally, B-A-I-L-I, Bada. B-L what? Wait. B-A-I-L-I. B-A-I-L-I. Bailey. 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 It's Bailey. Bailey. The fuck's wrong with you? That is not, no. Okay, no. B-A-I-L-I? Yeah, Bailey. Okay. It's like a way to spell it. Sure. I've never heard of that, but that's Okay. Kenny. Nobody spell, that's not fair. They do spell your name wrong. They do. Yes, they do. And this is titled Five Stars Times Infinity. This one's really sweet, by the way. Kenny and Katie are the best podcast. Unlike that other one that was hateful. No. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no, but this one, you'll you'll get it. Okay. Kenny and Katie are the best podcast hosts of all time. <laughs> I love when you blow smoke up my skirt. Girl, girl, girl. Or boy. I don't know. Or non. Or non, whatever. Uh. I came late to the party, so I binged the first 80 or so episodes and have been an avid fan ever since. I'm obsessed with the theme of this podcast and really appreciate all of the blood, sweat, and tears you have poured into it. I appreciate that. Don't we know it? (laughs) I appreciate that. Your show is not only hilarious, but also so entertaining that I always find myself wishing the episodes hadn't gone by so fast when I finished them. Kenny. (laughs) Uh, your honesty and stories are literally what i live for your humor is exactly you know what what that was about you know what that was about your honesty and stories that's about the story you told about shitting in the bidet that's 110 percent what that is fucking about that is just for that bidet story baby i know your humor is exactly what I need when I'm feeling stressy and depressy. Oh. <laughs> I feel that. Katie, you don't know how much you have helped me. 
For years, I've wanted to seek counseling for my mental health, but was always too embarrassed in case anyone ever found out. Listening to you speak so openly and freely about going to therapy really settled my decision for me. I'm so happy to tell you that because of you, I'm in a program with a counselor that I love. The two of you and your podcast have been a real blessing in my life. I love you both. Heart spooky for life. Oh, that wasn't really nice. I told you. I told you. I cried when I first read it. I did. I cried. Ooh. I cried. I didn't already cried once cried. on this episode, girl. I cried. I did. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm, I mean, thank you for the review. Whatever. I mean, fuck it. But I'm so happy to hear that you are in a program and working with a counselor. I, I really, you guys know that I think therapy is great. I think everybody should be in therapy. I think it's nice to have somebody outside your own circle of people mm-hmm. who are in your life, who are in your shit, to talk to about your shit. Because no matter how much you, you know, I love Kenny to death. And I talk to him about a lot of stuff and I talk to him about a lot of the shit that's going on with me, uh, but he is also, you know, to be fair, he is part of my shit, right? True. So so you it's nice true. to have somebody who's totally outside of everything who you can just speak to, who can give you objective, you know, input and really help you get to the heart of whatever it is that's bugging you. So yeah. and it's not it doesn't have to be a shameful thing. It's not a shameful thing. It's just owning. In fact, I think it's one of the bravest things that you can do, to be quite honest, is to is to look yourself in the mirror the way that you do in therapy, mm-hmm. is to kind of see yourself um, in that way. So I'm very happy to hear that, Bailey. And I'm sorry that Kenny couldn't pronounce your name. That's still TBD, <laughs> He's though. just kind of a fucking idiot. <laughs> TBD, though. TB, TBD. That's all I'm going to say. You know whose name I can pronounce? Joseph motherfucking Tosh. Joseph Who Tosh. is no longer... Former attorney. We may, talk about, we might talk about him on all of our episodes. This episode, that might be Welcome the new- to the Haunted Heart Podcast. This episode is brought to you by former <laughs> disbarred attorney Joseph Tosh. <laughs> That's how we're gonna intro the show. That's gonna be yeah. all right. When and when in the next intro, when I create it uh-huh. uh, for season, what the fuck ever, I'm gonna, <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. It's just gonna be the thunderclap, and then it's gonna be Joseph Tosh. Remember, former, remember this motherfucker, former lawyer. Yeah, well, I just I I feel like a lot of um, I don't know. This might be just in researching that case like i just feel like a lot of people were like his lawyer like his defense lawyer his and they didn't necessarily name drop him and i'm like no nah, i'm gonna say the bitch's name say the every fuck out of his time name. he's referenced because exactly. i want you to know who he is we want you to know who he is we want you to know that his name is joseph tosh infamous so and that he is a former lawyer anyway <laughs> uh away from people that we don't want to have anything to do with like joseph tosh former lawyer um people that we do want to have stuff to do with is you yeah you so have stuff to do with us on social media when it's safe for you and in 
the scope of taking care of yourself. Uh-huh. We would love to see you on Instagram at the Haunted Heart Podcast. We would love to see you on Twitter at the Haunted Heart. We would love to see you on Facebook, both on our Facebook page as well as on our closed Facebook mm-hmm. group. It's closed for your privacy. It's not closed because we don't want you to fucking join it. Um, it's closed because we know that you don't want your great aunt Kathy to see the gay horror memes that you're posting Pretty much. on Facebook. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if you just request to join either Kenny, myself, or a member of the Murder Mod Squad, will approve you and then you can chat away to your heart's content um did you say chat chat oh i thought you said chat away i mean do whatever you want on your own time but i don't think that no that shitting is in the within in facebook's group. uh terms of service no no shitting in the closed group um but i will say you know that crying isn't the only way to make us wet um, but continue to uh, leave us reviews. We love it. We love reading them on the air, and I particularly just fucking love it. Um, I think Katie could give shit less, but <laughs> <laughs> I just talk out it, to the world. <laughs> I love it. Sometimes the world talks back. And I it's think great. I'm just. I think that like subconsciously, you're just a Leo, and you need the fucking. Ver- one, you need the validation. I need the va- That's yes. what it is. Okay. All right. So, but we're not. This is not a therapy session. Okay? <laughs> you are not going. We're not doing this right. <laughs> now uh we're not we're not going there you are correct but um i think subconsciously i'm really just waiting for that one that's just like shit again and like i'm really just please don't <laughs> that is to I'm say really just wanting do not send us a shit review i mean don't i mean listen to me listen to mother no i mean i'm just saying and i say to you no. I just wanna I just wanna read somebody. I really do. <laughs> the fuck? I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it for you. Whenever you can read me. Kenny, you piece of shit. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Done. <laughs> can't even spell you can't even pronounce Bailey. Now right. they're now they're gonna write uh reviews to make us cry. Remember we had that thing where you were insulting people. <laughs> you were yelling at people to leave you funny reviews to make you laugh. Now they're going to try to all outdo everybody mm. on making us cry. I don't think. I mean, I'm game. I, I don't think they give a shit. Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Uh, if you um, have listened to all of the episodes, like Bailey, apparently, um, and you want more Haunted Heart, you can find us on patreon.com slash the Haunted Heart. Um, there you can join our Patreon Facebook group and get exclusive content. Um, Patreon folks, I know it's been a little slow on the Patreon feed lately, but we have we do have stuff um, that is coming down the line. We have some things recorded that we're going to drop there exclusive to you all. Um, Spooky Smut is coming. I'm working on it for you. Um, and yeah, so you can join us there, check us out. There's some exclusive content there if yeah. you don't have enough bullshit in your feed already. Yeah. That's, yeah. I would say do that. Yeah. Do it. Go for it. Do All it. Right. You won't. No bulls. So I guess, uh, that's the end of this episode. Goodbye. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. No. Uh, you know what you got to do? Everyone but Joseph Tosh, former lawyer. Who's not invited. Who's not invited with us to stay sweet.